Welcome again to another episode of the Ryan Annoys People podcast. I am Ryan. You can check out all the podcasts on podcast platforms such as Spotify, CastBox, Apple Podcasts, etc. And today's podcast is going to be devoted to Coach K's retirement and my mom's retirement from the University of Memphis. Um, a lot of people, when they think of retirement, it's mainly no different than graduating high school, graduating college. You're moving on to the next step in your in your life. Um, my mom had retired from the University of Memphis for thirty uh, after thirty four years, and of course, Coach K is retiring after forty two years at Duke. And one of the things that I thought about in terms of my mom in her time at the University of Memphis. When she was hired, when she took the job at the University of Memphis, uh, the University of Memphis had just hired Larry Finch, who uh, was their first African-American head coach at the university for basketball. And it was still, they were still in the Metro Conference. They, you know, the University of Memphis football program, they were an independent, they played at the Coliseum. And it was, you know, I don't remember, a, you know, I remember, vaguely remember the early years. I remember my mom was working in Patterson Hall. Patterson Hall uh, was at the corner, uh, is at the corner of Walker and Patterson. But I vaguely remember the early years. I just have like bits and pieces, you know, everything in that, in that period uh when my mom when she worked there when she started working there it's like all grainy it's all a, a a little bit of a memory but when she started working at the university um she you know the university campus did not look the way it does now you didn't have uh i don't remember seeing the, the they had these apartments they built these apartments um on central avenue uh, maybe around like the nineteen late nineteen nineties, early two thousands, they weren't over there when she started. It was just a parking lot. Um, the university center, uh, the original university center, was um, was there, uh, right there by the administration building. The library was in Bristol. Was in Bristol. I remember going to Bristol Library as a little kid and reading the Curious George books because my mom will always go and get the Curious George books. And um, the basketball team at the time practiced at the field house. And they used to practice at the field house. They didn't have, the University of Memphis didn't have a practice facility. They didn't have a practice facility. Um, I think the closest thing that they had was the field house like they practiced in the field house i remember uh mom would come home from work and she would tell my grandmother stories about larry finch they would have the practice closed off and he would just be saying everything from a amazing grace to a floating opportunity that's how it was at the university um and the same thing was with coach k like coach k when he got to duke you know, Duke had some really good teams before he got there. I mean, this was a program that had was one of eight programs to win a thousand games at Duke. Uh, and, I mean, uh, one of 
eight programs that have a, over a thousand victories in basketball when he got there. This was a program that had gone to Final Fours, and it was a regional. In, it was a regional uh, basketball power, and a lot of people don't know North Carolina State had a bigger national profile in basketball. They had a bigger national profile in basketball. North Carolina State did. They had a bigger national profile than Duke because at that time, only North Carolina and North Carolina State had national championships. All four teams on Tobacco Road, including Wake Forest, had been the Final Fours, but only two had won national championships. So that being said, Duke basically, Coach K basically grew up with Duke the same way that my mom grew up with the University of Memphis. By the time, by the time my mom, by the time the 90s rolled around and she had got been there almost a decade, um, the University of Memphis became the, I mean, the University of Memphis, Memphis State University became the University of Memphis. They built a new library, the Ned McWhorter Library. They built that. And then on top of that, uh, the university joined Conference USA. And then by then, uh, by then they, uh, the University of Memphis had a, a standalone basketball practice facility. And also in addition to that, John Calipari came into the picture and, and the Grizzly and pro basketball came into the picture and and the University of Memphis was no longer playing at the Coliseum, they were playing at the Pyramid. So all of these things happened within the first ten years of my mom being at the University of Memphis. The first ten years of Coach K at um at Duke they go from this regional power, they start making Final Fours, they play in a national title game against Louisville, they come this close to winning the national championship, they go to another national, they go to another Final Four in 1990, uh, in 1990 with um, UNLV, and then they win a national, the national title in 1991 uh, with Coach K, and in so many words, he his you know he basically grew up with Duke. Duke made him you know Duke and Coach K grew up together, and the same thing happened to my mom at the University of Memphis. She grew up with the university. Uh, by the by the time the two thousands rolled around, uh, they started there were more uh, a lot more building projects. Her son, me, ended up getting his first job at the University of Memphis, and that, you know, that's a story for another day, okay? Um, by the time, you know, by the time she had gotten to, like, 30 years at the university, um, the University of Memphis was in a new basketball, was in a new conference. Uh, Penny had came home. Penny used to, uh, and I tell the story, I never told the story, but... When I was a kid, Penny used to babysit me. And when I told the story to uh, my man's Dave Wyshynowski, I said, well, that's kind of true. What he, what I would do, uh, my mom worked at the field house. My mom would let me sit in 
their practices. Now, can you imagine a kid sitting in Coach K in Coach K's practices or Coach Calipari's practices? And I would be bouncing a little ball, and sometimes Penny would let me try to shoot a basketball. I used to always shoot underhanded, like I always wanted to be able to shoot just like my heroes, David Vaughn, Leon Mitchell, Penny Hardaway, Marcus Nolan, but I couldn't. So a lot of times I would stand up under the goal, I would stand up under the goal, up under the goal, and they had these two auxiliary, uh, they had these two uh, basketball goals, and they were like off to the side, um, they were off to the side, they weren't like the ones you see, the ones that have like the little remotes going up, going up, and then they'll come down and stuff. And sometimes the ball would conk me in the head. And I would cry, and Penny was like, man, you know, you know, I would run to my mom and be like crying and stuff. And Penny was like, man, shake it off, man. You're going you gonna to get it. And the first time I made a shot on one of those goals, and um, this was this is a true story. I think this was in 1991. I want to say because I did it like a couple of years. Like I would go to the practices and stuff, and would be bouncing. Up. I wouldn't say go inside when they were practicing, but I would kind of like be in one of the um, like the one of the rooms where they had the goals and stuff. And um, the first time I made a shot on it. I was about six years old, maybe five or six years old, and I was happy. It was like winning a national championship. And I was like, man, one day I'm going to play basketball for the University of Memphis. So that is actually true. Penny did used to babysit me. So that was kind of how I learned about basketball. And I learned, you know, how to shoot and how to dribble, how to bounce a ball and everything. And I have I owe it to Penny Hardaway and I owe it to that, those 1991-92 uh, Memphis State basketball teams. But that being said, um, Penny, you know, my mom basically grew up with the University of Memphis. I mean, they started building, there were new building projects. There were, uh, they had gone from um, the Metro Conference to the Great Midwest the Conference USA to the American Athletic Conference. Um, the basketball, the football program, which was a joke. It was a basically a joke. Like my mom would get back. My mom would get football tickets. She would never go to the basketball games. My mom would get football tickets, and my mom's not a sports person. My mom's not a sports person. Um, but one game, she she gave me tickets. She got me tickets to go see Memphis play Ole Miss in two thousand three. And I remember storming the field when they won against Ole Miss and Eli Manning. And I was there the day that they beat East Carolina to become bowl eligible because that was the first time in my lifetime that Memphis was actually going to a bowl game. And that was like going to a Sugar Bowl. Like for us, that was like the Sugar Bowl. And um, she basically, her tenure basically saw that as well. Uh, it saw the D'Angelo Williams years and then the Coach Calipari years and, you know, and and then it also saw Memphis making it to a New Year's Day Six Bowl and a championship, like two AAC championships. 
and Penny coming home to be a basketball coach. Like her final year at the University of Memphis was Penny's, the year that Penny took Memphis to the NIT championship. So everything came full circle for her. And everything is coming full circle for Coach K because Coach K not only grew up with Duke, but he ends up coaching his grandson, which is an awesome thing. And, you know, this is 30 years since I lost my own grandfather. And it's like, how cool is it to have your grandson, even though, even though, there are, the pressure is going to be on him to be a, a great basketball player. But the fact that Coach K was able, is able to take this Duke team to the Final Four, and in addition to that, you're able to coach your grandson. That's a dope, that's a dope feeling to have as a grandfather. And... You know, I always think about my own grandfather. You know, I think about grandparents all the time. My grandparents, you know, my grandfather died um, a few months after Coach K won his second national title. And I didn't have enough time with my grandfather. Like, we only had five or six years with my grandfather. I didn't have... um, a lot of memories with him, you know, um, I do carry some of his teachings and the things that I learned in that brief time I had with him, and I always talk about how I think, you know, I wouldn't say in so much with Coach K, I wouldn't say Coach K is like a grand, was like the grandfather, but I do think people like John Chaney, people like John Thompson, People like Eddie Sutton, Don Haskins, and and countless older coaches who would have been born around the time my grandfather was born in. I think when I saw them coach, I saw my grandfather, especially John Cheney, because John Cheney had the same lessons about life. Those life lessons that he taught those guys at Temple, those were the lessons that my grandfather would have taught, instilled in me, and would have instilled in me if he had lived. And I think the the cool thing about Coach K and his this being his last uh, his last go around, um, being able to coach your grandson is amazing. But the thing, the difference that I do see with Coach K retiring and my mom's retirement is the fact that my mom. You know, we don't, the sad part is me and my mom are, are kind of like estranged. And the other part is that I don't think my mom has like a life outside of work. Last year she had fainted uh, at, at the, at, on, the, uh, on the job. She worked at, I think, a warehouse. And I get a phone call from somebody a friend of mine, my man's uh, Ralph, who I've known basically my entire life. And he tells me the story. He's like, yeah, your mom fainted at work. It was her blood pressure. My mom's a type 2 diabetic. And when this first happened in 2012, I didn't know how to react. 
I didn't know how to react. And everybody was like, well, yeah, you should have dropped everything and go see your mom. I'm like, when you never, when you never seen that as a person and you don't know how to react, um, that's a very normal, um, a very normal reaction to have because I didn't know how to react to my mom being sick. I didn't, you know, I'm, I, 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 I always, in the back of my mind, I've always known, hey, I know my mom's not going to live forever. I know this. And whatever, and when she makes her transition, I know I'm going to, it's going to suck. But I also have an understanding of it. But I know it's going to be hard for me because that's my mom. But I also thought to say, I want to be able to help to be able to grieve in a way that she was never able to grieve after my my grandmother died. And um, I remember being like, okay, the first time this happened, I didn't know how to react. Um, and I thought back to a conversation I had with my mom. I had this conversation with my dad um, back in 20. 19 when he had his health problems i said to my mom in 2015 i say mom your health is very important and you have to understand that i can create my own destiny you've made your destiny you raised a son that loves you he may not show it but he does your son does care about you me and i also said it's not like you're 44 years old you're 60 at the time she was 58 and i say you're 50 you know you're 58 years old your health is very important it's very important you have to take time to live the last time my mom had taken a vacation um i was a little kid and bill clinton was president it was her it was his first term as president and we had gone to Biloxi Gulfport, Mississippi. Um, it was myself, my grandmother, and a family friend. We went to Biloxi, Mississippi. That was the last time my mom went out of town, went on vacation. And she would always talk about going on vacation, but she would never do it. And I was like, hey, I know if you want to go out of town, I'll go with you, you know? And everything, you know, I remember, you know, being like, hey, go to Atlanta, come to New, go to New Orleans, uh, things of that nature. But my mom has never done that. I never knew any hobbies that my mom had. Everything was always centered around work. And when this happened last year, I wrote a letter and explaining everything I had said for years and years and years. I just never said it. Um in a way that I said it in the, in, the, in the letter, I say, Mom, you're 64 years old. You're not 44, you're not 54. It's not like I'm um, 12 years old or 13 years old and you're figuring out, oh, how I'm gonna pay for this, how I'm gonna pay for that. I'm gonna make a way to pay for whatever I need 
you know, I'm going to figure out a way to keep a roof over my head, food in my belly, clothes on my back, my phone bill paid, etc. You don't need to worry so much and you don't need to work so hard. Because you have to take time to live. And I'm like, you know, when I learned that my mom was retiring from the University of Memphis, I was like, what is my mom going to do now? I can't say that about Coach K. I know what Coach K is going to do. He's going to enjoy retirement. You know, he's going to enjoy retirement. And I think he also, I think he also is going to find other things to do beyond basketball. I love listening to his uh, Basketball and Beyond podcast. I love listening to his leadership, his talks about leadership. Those are things that are really paramount because I feel like basketball can give you so much, but it also, but also things that you do beyond the basketball court. It gives you a greater purpose you know it's that old saying that john thompson used to have once that basketball loses 13 pounds of air you still have a future to think about once the ball stops bouncing you have a future to think about once that final whistle is blown on coach k's career whether it's today or monday night here in this city there's still a future to think about he still has a future he still has things to do before his time comes and I'm grateful that Coach K came it through here, came this way. You know, I never understood the hatred for Duke. I never did. You know, I'm part of that generation that vaguely remembers the Fab Five. I remember, you know, how the media portrayed Michigan as evil and Duke as you know, the good guys and stuff. I, I vaguely remember that. But for people who are like, you know, people of my age group, you know, I didn't really understand the Duke hatred. Like in North Carolina, I kind of, in North Carolina, if you live in North Carolina, it's a different dynamic because a lot of people don't realize this. Durham, Durham is not Duke country. Durham is mainly UNC country. You know, but the media makes it look like, well, oh yeah, Duke and North Carolina is this big rivalry. Yes, it's a big it's a huge rivalry um, on a national scale. But in the state of North Carolina, if you talk to people there, most people in Durham they do ride hard for UNC for North Carolina. It's no different than here in New Orleans where people ride hard for LSU. They don't ride hard for Duke because Duke is a national school. It's a world it's a world renowned school. You got kids from all over the world. Just taking consideration, just just get you know, just do a ballpark estimate of how many kids from Duke are actually from North Carolina, actually from Durham. You know, think about that for a second. And then get back to me. Um that being said, you know, I think the whole thing about retirement and with Coach K retiring, you know, it's basically the changing of the guard. And and, and you, pretty soon you're going to see this with Bill Self. You're going to see this with 
Jim Beheim, Tom Izzo, Mark Few. There's going to be a, a Bob Huggins, newly minted Hall of Famer. There's a lot of the coaches I grew up watching. A lot of these coaches are getting out of the business. And it's, you know, it's this thing, you know, it's kind of hard to imagine that uh, Bill Self is 60 years old and, and Cal Coach Calipari is a couple of years younger than my mom. And that that frame of that time, when, that window of time they have in terms of coaching and in terms of impacting other people's lives, that time, some that window of time is starting to dwindle down. To dwindle down, and I want to say that it's gonna, you know, that when you get to a point in life when you can't do something that you love anymore, and you feel like you've exhausted all your energy, that time's gonna come for you. You know, it came from my mom. My mom worked at the university for 34 years. Coach K was at Duke for 42 years. And I remember saying this to my my, uh, my friend of mine. I said, you know, I looked up, and I, I'm a numbers geek, and I love numbers, I love stats. And I looked up the University of Memphis basketball history. The University of Memphis has played basketball for over 100 years. Of the 100 years of the all-time wins that Duke, that not Duke, but the University of Memphis has had in basketball, even the vacated wins in 2007-2008, my mom had been there for at least 62% of the all-time wins in the school's basketball history. That's crazy to think. When she got there... The University of Memphis had not gotten to a thousand wins. They are at fourteen, almost fifteen hundred wins all time as a program. So, those are my thoughts about Coach K, my mom, and retirement. And I'm grateful, you know, I'm grateful that uh, Coach K is able to ride off in the sunset. Hopefully, it can be with a championship. If it's not. It's been a wonderful ride for him. So many congrats to Coach K on his retirement. Stay tuned. Not stay tuned. I feel like I'm, I'm not on radio. I'm not on radio until midnight on Sunday morning. I'm sorry, y'all. But that concludes the Ryan Annoys Everyone podcast. This coming week, I'll be joined by Camille from Broadmoor as we talk two-lane baseball and the St. Louis Cardinals and the return of Albert Pujols. That being said, Ryan out. Talk to you soon.